Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another season of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined as always by Vic Tafer and Tashawn Reed. And we'll say it again, Ted, he's somewhere. He's somewhere around the world. I, I don't know. We, we, we can't keep track of that guy. He will join us. Uh, not today. He's not going to be here today. Uh, we got we to gotta get like a, a Twitter account. Like where in the world is Ted Wynn? Um, try to keep track of him. But uh, what's going on, guys? Um, the 2023 Raiders season training camp is underway. Uh, two days into training camp. Uh, Vic was talking. Just he couldn't contain his excitement before the podcast about how fired up he is for the season. He thinks they're going to be a winner. Yeah, man, I feel it, man. I'm uh, enjoying the uh, positive energy. Uh, the weather's been not too bad. It's hot, but there's been a breeze the first few days of practice, which has been nice. Not a lot going on, just kind of drills and uh, kind of slow until pads go on Tuesday. But, you know, this time of year, always people want to think uh, things are going to work out. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to po- focus on the positive for a while and enjoy that. And the fans are excited. You know, they got crowds at both the crowd, the, the practices so far. And there's, there's a lot of people out there, man. You know, they, they were happy to see Jimmy G, you know, out there practicing for the first time as a Raider. A lot of energy, a lot of positive chants going. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's good vibes in Vegas right now. And I mean, we'll start there with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that was the, the good news that came out of, uh, you know, this first week here. He is available. He's ready to go. Um, no restrictions, no pup list, none of that. I think if you're the Raiders, brass, you're probably sitting there saying like, yeah, you know, we were never worried. That's what they expressed. It's their prerogative to not give much information. But because of the limited information that we went into after the surgery that, I mean, they wouldn't even confirm the surgery, wouldn't even really say much about it. It kind of left everybody wondering over the last couple of months here, like what is Jimmy Garoppolo's status going to be? But it's all positive. He's out there. He's available as, you know, they would say they always believed he would be. So uh, that's good news. Uh, I mean, we can sit here and say it probably would have been easier for for everybody the last couple of months if they had just giving us a little more info, but hey, that that's their prerogative, and uh, they've got him out there ready to go. Yeah, the outcome is the same regardless, but they could have saved their fan base, you know, a little bit of worrying if they would have, you know, been a little bit more upfront about it. And, you know, I get it's a foot injury, so timelines are always a little funky, and you know, they, they didn't want to say one thing, and then he goes past goes past that. People think it's a setback, so I kind of get it, but I, th- I think a lot of the uh, craziness could have been avoided. Yeah, he said he's not quite 100% back, but he's close. He's getting there. I think um, he was pretty positive about it. Never any doubts, but he, he'd be ready for camp. And uh, yeah, the Raiders don't really tell us much, and that's probably good because sometimes when they do tell us stuff, it doesn't turn out that way. So why not just play safe and, and keep it to uh, to a low minimum? But, um, yeah, he's definitely back. He's a positive. Um, players like his personality. They're waiting to see what he does in the field. He's getting kind of in sync with the offense and rhythm with guys like Adams and the other receivers. But, uh 
and the linemen, but uh, he's definitely uh, enthusiastic, and so are his, uh, his teammates. We got to get him on the podcast because he would be able to fit in with our policy that allows you to swear on this podcast. Because if you talk to Max, Max Crosby and, and, you know, from seeing him from his Niner days, uh, he likes to talk shit out there on, on the field. And for the Raiders defense, that's probably a much different vibe than uh, not that any of the defenders have been there for nine years, but nine years of Derek Carr. The day you got Jimmy G out there talking shit, I can imagine it brings a different vibe out to the uh, practice field. Man, I guess it's easy to talk when they can't hit you, right? I mean, you know, especially from a pass rusher, like, like what kind of what kind of shit is that? But uh, no, nah, I mean, you know, it's, I think he has more more fire than he he gives off. He's a pretty mellow guy in press conferences, but it seems like he he must must flip a different switch when he's in the locker room and and out there on the practice field. Um, like like Vic said earlier, the practices so far haven't been too competitive. Obviously, they're padless. Um, they've been focusing on more individual drills, throwing against air, and so there's not too many concrete you know, evaluations from his performance so far, um, you know, and it's only two days in the camp, so it's hard to make a big evaluation anyway, but just, you know, it seems like he has a good vibe and, you know, that's, that's always a question mark when you're changing from having, you know, one quarterback from a long time and then bringing in an outsider um, to see how he gels with the, the locker room. But it seems like everything's going, going pretty smooth on that front so far. Yeah, I think one of the big themes this year at Camp Week, the differences between between Jimmy G and, and Derek, I think after, you know, 10, this, this is the first time in a decade where Derek's not the quarterback at camp, so obviously a big change. And I'm sure if you're a defensive player, you probably get a little tired of a guy slapping you in the ass saying, go get him, and the Mamba mentality, and you, you go ahead and still stink. So why not give him shit, tell him, tell him you suck, and then hopefully they can do better. So I think I like the uh, nice new approach by, by Jimmy. There's going to be a lot to dissect in terms of his play, you know, for those who watch him a lot with the Niners. You know that he's a pretty good quarterback who has the tendency to make some bonehead mistakes. But, I mean, overall, he's been a winner. But the biggest question was was just, and always will be, his health. And can he stay healthy? And just because he's healthy, July 27th doesn't mean a whole lot um, in terms of what the Raiders season is going to look like. But the fact that he's out there and available, it's what you could want. It's what all you could really ask for at this time of the year. And then now it's just about developing that chemistry, especially with Devontae Adams. I mean, I know Jimmy talked about him. Jimmy threw, threw some pretty damn good receivers with the Niners, but no disrespect to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, even, you know, tight end George Kittle. None of those guys are Devontae Adams. And I think Garoppolo pretty quickly realized that when, you know, he talked about on day one. He threw up a go ball that he thought he had overthrown Adams, and boom, no, Adams was there, and, and he wasn't even sure if Devontae was running full speed. Yeah, Matt, I think, you know, obviously that's important, working out the chemistry with the receivers, but I'd say, you know, arguably just as important as him working out that chemistry with the offensive line. Colton Miller talked today, and he kind of spoke on Garoppolo being familiar with the system has helped him with, you know, making checks at the line of screamer, just, you know, point out the Mike linebacker, communication, things of that nature. But, you know, with him being a guy that's not really known for his mobility and having that injury history, like, you know, the offensive line and, and them taking a step forward from a pass protection standpoint is going to be a really big key to him staying healthy throughout this year. And so um, being on the same accord with them, obviously, is, is huge. And I mean, he can be as in sync with Devontae, you know, as you know, as anybody. But, you know, if he can't doesn't have time to get him the ball, it won't really matter too much. I think the hope for the Raiders is that you know they do get a lot better in the red zone. That definitely has been his, Jimmy's uh, forte over the years. So he has pretty good numbers inside the 10-yard line to, into the 20-yard line. So I think the short passing game should be more effective with his familiarity with Josh McDaniel's system. And I think that's where you're going to see the difference between him and Derek Carr. I think a little less arm talent, but maybe better at the short uh, stuff in, in, in the red zone. All right. Well, we've talked about the positives of Jimmy Garoppolo being healthy. Let's get into Josh Jacobs. Uh, no surprise that he's not in camp after the two sides were not able to come to agreement on a long-term extension by the July 17th deadline. 
it doesn't seem like there's there's a solution really out there anytime soon. I think the full expectation is that he will not be there at training camp. And then if you're the Raiders, I think they hope that week one is when he shows up because that's the first moment that he starts losing money is if he's not there week one. It's a tough deal out there for these running backs who got franchise tagged. And I think the Jacobs situation was made even tougher when you look at what happened with Saquon Barkley, where Barkley basically just caved and kind of came back. Didn't want to miss any camp and and came back really without any guarantee of anything extra, without any guarantee of anything. I mean, he they threw him some incentives that would require him to have a career season and for the Giants to make the playoffs for him to see any extra money. There's got to be more to it than that, right? There's no way he like the total reversal came back for an extra nine hundred thousand dollars. I'm sure maybe he's probably not going to get that nine hundred thousand. He's probably going to make the the still just the franchise tag. I don't know. If promises were made, or I don't know if secret things were done, but this just makes no sense for him to do that. I think. Um, I think also it probably points to like the thing where I think he probably feels that he's definitely or probably a part of the Giants' future. Like if they want, they couldn't get it done this this off season. But clearly, he's their marquee guy. They're trying, I think they want to figure it out. I think they want they're a good team. They're ahead of where the Raiders are right now. So he's clearly a big part of that going forward. And he probably sees that. I think with Josh Jacobs is, this team's in a weird spot. I mean, we're trying to win. We're trying to rebuild. We didn't really want to pay you in the first place. We don't, we don't want to give you $8 million last year. And we're giving you 10 now, but we're not, we're not loving that. So we're not going to give you too much more than that. And we're not really sure where you fit in long term. So... I understand the frustration on his side. I think today he tweeted out something about common sense not being not being common because, you know, in his mind and in a lot of people's minds, if you have a prove-it year and you lead the league in rushing, you have proven it. You then get paid. <laughs> I mean, to me, that seems logical. And then they told him how important he was. He was a, you know, a team captain last year in the midseason, and teammates love him. He's been a leader. So he's done everything you want a guy to do to get rewarded as one of your franchise's key guys, and yet he's a running back, so that's all out the window. So uh, I clearly understand why he's frustrated. I think we'll see what happens. I know there's hints. He's saying, you know, he's upset, and maybe he won't come back. But I think at the end of the day, at the end of the month, $10.1 million is $10.1 million. It's hard to say I'm not showing up and getting my check. I think at some point he has to show up. Yeah, I think, you know, the difference maybe between, you know, Saquon and, and Jacobs is, you know, how, you know, the negotiations, you know, played out. I think, you know, Saquon, you know, he reportedly, you know, got offered, you know, 23 million guaranteed at signing, which is basically, you know, two years of getting franchise tag. And, it's, you know, especially in this market, it's kind of hard to say that that's not in good faith. Like, obviously, he wanted more than that or he would have signed it. But you can't really say that they didn't, you know, make him a good offer. Whereas, you know, with Jacobs, like the Raiders didn't make that kind of an offer. Uh, you know, they didn't. You know, they declined his fifth-year option. They drafted another running back. They played him in the preseason game. They didn't negotiate him in the last season. You know, they, this this offseason, they really didn't make a, a formal offer until the last minute. And, and even at that point, it, like I said, it wasn't really close to that type of offer that Saquon got. And so that, that leaves a different type of a taste in your mouth. Uh, you know, even if a deal is the same outcome, obviously, like them both having to, you know, accept the franchise tag. But, you know, these guys are, are people, you know, too, and, and have, kind of have human emotions and reactions. And I'm sure there's a a pride element and a respect element to that. And so, you know, I think, you know, like Vic said, he, he probably ends up coming back before week one, but, um, you know, it's pretty understandable to to get, you know, why he'd be upset. You know, and I know that there's a report out there from Mike Garofolo of NFL Network that, you know, the Raiders offered him $12 million per year. You know, Vic, you, you wrote the column uh, right after uh, – Jacobs did not come to a, an agreement about the spin that keeps getting sent out there. And it's very possible that the Raiders offered a contract worth $12 million a year. 
But what it comes down to is what was the guarantee money? And my guess is they offered him, sure, here's a three-year, $36 million deal that maybe has like 18 guaranteed or whatever. That if that second year wasn't fully guaranteed and certainly nothing in the third year would have been, if you're Jacobs, you're like, like no. I'm like, the starting point for any negotiation had to be 22 million guaranteed over two years because that's what back-to-back franchise tags were worth. So, like you said, Tashawn, if if Saquon was offered a deal worth 23 million guaranteed, you could say that the Giants were negotiating in in decently good faith because they at least took that floor and, and went up from that. So, if if the Raiders offered a, a 12 million dollar a year deal, but it didn't include at least 22, 23 million in guaranteed money, then it's it's not a it's not a deal that you're really going to sit around and listen to. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really, and you know, Josh has tweeted this in various cryptic forms, but he, you know, basically said that it was about the security, not so much about the annual salary. It wasn't like he was trying to get paid Christian McCaffrey money or even Alvin Kamara money or, you know, some of the other top paid backs in the league. You know, he just wanted to know that he was going to be around past this season. And um, it seems like, you know, obviously since he didn't sign it, that, that assurance wasn't given to him. And, you know, like I, I, you know, as Vic also referred to earlier, like I kind of get it from the Raiders standpoint, like they're really figuring out what they are. Like, you know, we've talked about, we've been pretty open that we don't really expect them to be good this season um, or, or in the foreseeable future. And so if you're a team that's not really in contention, you know, how much sense does it make to, you know, commit to a running back long term? So I, I get both sides of it. But, you know, as, as you said, the kind of putting stuff out there, wherever it's coming from, like to, to make it seem like, you know, that they really wanted to like get this long-term deal done. Like it, you know, I, I think people are too smart for that nowadays. They ultimately, you know, see through that. I like we have a very smart audience. I think our audience knows what's going on. So respect to our, our audience. When you look at the actual options, uh, Tashawn, you wrote kind of like basically the, the five potential options. You know, just talk, kind of looking at, at what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley. That, that's It's really the idea of the Raiders doing this sweetened one-year deal is probably not something that's going to be on the table for them. Just because, like we said earlier, an extra 900000 that is is what they gave Barkley in incentives that are all deemed in a contractually not likely to be earned. And just what that means for those who don't know the all the salary cap terms and whatnot, that means if you put an incentive in a contract, if the player achieved that incentive, if they had those numbers last year, then it goes into the contract as likely to be earned and it goes on the salary cap for that season. If they didn't achieve those numbers, it goes as not likely to be earned. If they earn those incentives, it goes on the next year, so the 2024 cap. So for the Raiders to do something like that, to, to give him an incentive-laden deal, when you look at the numbers that he put up, you're going to have to say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll give you an extra 300000 if you run for 1,700 yards and have 13 touchdowns. It's ridiculous numbers that they would have to put in there because of how good Jacobs was. They can't say, oh, we'll give you a bonus for being first-team All-Pro because he was first-team All-Pro. He was all those things, so you can't do one of those kind of deals where you add in these incentives and then say, well, okay, it's, it's fine because they'll count against the cap next year. Because I know, Tashawn, you wrote after the deadline passed that one of the, the Raiders' big motivations for wanting to get a multi-year deal done was to reduce that $10.1 million cap hit. So if they were to do a, you know, a sweetened one-year deal, they're raising that cap hit. And if they were hoping that they would be able to reduce the cap hit, it seems unlikely, not impossible, but it seems unlikely that they would want to see that cap hit go up to 11 million, 12 million, whatever it would be to get him to sign an incentive laden deal. Yeah. The only way is just if they just reach a point where they're like, Oh, if we, if we don't do anything to this, then he's just not going to come back. I mean, we just won't have him the whole year. Then I think 
do they mind that? Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. But if they do, like that, I can see that scenario where like, all right, whatever, make it twelve, and because they have ways of, of freeing up, you know, cap cap space. They have a bunch of cap space in future years, and you know, as we've mentioned, you know, since Jimmy Garoppolo passes physical, you know, a lot of his money can be converted if in the future years if they want to make that commitment. They have other contracts that they could play with as well. It doesn't have to be Garoppolo's, and so. You know, they could find an extra two million dollars, let's say, if they really needed to, you know. And so um, I wouldn't say it's completely off the table, but, you know, it hasn't been done yet. That doesn't mean, you know, they, they haven't offered that, that sort of incentive laden deal. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think that's, you know, more likely than than kind of the nuclear options of Jacob sitting out the entire season or them rescinding his franchise tag and letting him become a free agent. Um, somewhere in the middle, maybe is, is a trade option. You know, I, you know, just not too many teams out there with. $10 million just sitting around, but they could, you know, have a, have a, you know, reworked deal once they trade for Jacobs to, to lower that money if they need to. So I would say that's more likely than, than him just being let go for nothing. But uh, ultimately, you know, as Vic said, I think this ends with him suiting up in a, in a Raiders jersey this season. All right, well, let's move on to other topics. Garoppolo's healthy. Jacobs not going to be around for a while. So what are our other big questions early in camp? Um, Tyree Wilson, their first round pick, he is on the non-football injury list, which all that means is that his injury occurred before he joined the NFL. So it is a was a football injury. It was the foot that he broke last year at uh, in college. So it, it was a football injury, but he goes on the non-football injury list just because of when the injury occurred. Um, not really. I mean, the Raiders obviously aren't going to give us timelines on that. We we are pretty far removed from that injury, and I think it would you would have liked to have seen him on the field by now. Um, there had been some hope during the offseason, right, that he would be able to work out at some point. That never happened. Uh, at what point do we get concerned about Tyree Wilson? Is that point now? I don't know. Eh, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I know when he got drafted, he said he'd be ready to go at some point during training camp. And so, you know, I, I think that probably wasn't based based on how the Garoppolo thing was handled. It probably wasn't McDaniels's favorite moment, but... You know, I think as long as he's out there, you know, a couple of weeks before the season, this it's not the biggest deal in the world. You know, if he was somebody that they were depending on to be a starter, I, w- I would say it's a, a bigger deal. But since it's going to be Chandler Jones and Max Crosby on the edge, like he's going to be a rotational guy this year, you know, barring injury, of course. And so I, th- I think it's fine. Like as long as he's back at some point during training camp, I don't think it's anything to sound a red alarm about. I think the only reason it's not a bigger deal right now is because these guys don't have much of a draft you know, record. I think if this was the last few regimes, we'd be like, oh, man, here we go again. They blew it again. But I think I got these these guys been for the doubt a little bit. And like the shots in a couple of weeks, I think, then we can start panicking. But I don't recall, I think Josh McDaniel said the other day that this was expected, that he wouldn't be here for a start of camp. Everything that happens, Josh McDaniels expects. Yeah, I'm not sure that, that, I'm not sure that was vocalized after they picked him. I don't recall Josh saying then that he probably missed the training camp, but I thought the, the foot was a non-issue at that point. But again, benefit of the doubt, if he's back in a couple of weeks, like the, you know, he's going to work behind and learn from Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, which is a great thing for him. It's not a lot of pressure on him just to come in and make an impact as a third pass rusher this year, and they'll be fine. So I think uh, based on his position and what they have already, I think you can kind of take it a little bit slow. But, yeah, if we don't see him by, like, you know, end of the month, then definitely uh, something was not quite uh, groovy. <laughs> groovy. Not quite groovy. Um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of a, a, a storyline stemming from that is just is there any hope for the defense to just 
I know we, we say this every year, basically. Marcus Peters, baby. They got Marcus Peters. Can they just be like slightly above, below average, just like 18th in scoring defense? And every year it's no, but I'm not expecting this defense, especially with the marginal moves they made this offseason to go from terrible to great, but something like just just don't be a complete sieve anymore uh, this season. And, you know, you look at their roster and it's basically the same caliber it was last year, you know, on paper. And so they're depending on a lot of guys, you know, the Devon Diablos of the world and Nate Hobbs and Tra- Trayvon Morig and guys that, you know, maybe have shown flashes in the past but haven't been consistent, you know, discovering that consistency and stepping up. Because even Marcus Peters, I know it's the big signing um, this week, but he had a pretty rough year last year with the Ravens coming off that ACL injury. He's 30 years old. You know, we've seen a lot of cornerbacks start to decline around that age. And so he's he's not the magic pill that's going to solve everything for that secondary either. And so I think just collectively as a defense throughout camp and, and more so once they get into the joint practices against the Rams and the the Niners, you know, how do they hold up against, um, you know, pretty two pretty solid offenses. Um, I think would be pretty telling as we get closer to the season. A couple of years ago, the defense would occasionally make a stand and it would win some games late. I think that D-line was a big part of that. And last year, the D-line was not very good, even despite Max's uh, efforts. So I think a lot of new guys now, some guys who are in year two, like uh, Butler and Farrell and uh, Brian Byron Young when he's healthy and um, Tyree Wilson. So we'll see if this, all, this D-line can be better and uh, better inside as far as getting a push and, and stopping the run and get, making life easier for the guys on the edge, but to me, that's the key spot in defense is you have a lot of competition there this year. Some guys got to emerge who can make some plays this year besides uh, Max Crosby. I guess that would be the one disappointing thing of the first two weeks is or first two days is that we're talking about the defensive line and, and some of the young guys stepping up as being the, one of the biggest things. And Tyree all Wilson. of them, all of them are gone. Tyree <laughs> Wilson, Neil, Neil Farrell. <laughs> all on injury lists they are not out there and, and again like nobody's panicking about who's on an injury list on on july 27th especially since we know nothing about the byron young or neil farrell injuries we, we, we you know we don't know anything about them um so we'll uh and we probably won't until those guys come back so um if those are minor and those guys are back in a week those are the guys that you want to see in the joint practices in the preseason games i mean that's like when you know the joint practices nowadays are, are typically more entertaining and, and you take more out of those in the preseason game so the fact that they get to have those in, in back-to-back weeks is, is very nice that's what you you got to hope that those young guys are available by then because you want to see Tyree Wilson go up against you know Trent Williams you want to see him go up against those guys and uh, and see how they stack up against some of these other elite players around the league um, and so you hope that you get a chance to see that as we get going in training camp um, but that's why the, the biggest question mark on this team I think is that defensive line and it remains a big question mark as we uh, as we sit here two days into camp but uh still plenty of time to get that answered i mean i, w- I would say corner is too i mean like i know marcus peters is probably you know i, I would assume he's going to lock down at least one of the outside corner jobs but nickelback and, and the second cornerback job are both still very much so the whole defense well. is the biggest question yeah. right yeah it's just like we don't really know who the starters are besides like four people on on defense you know and so that whole unit is going to be something to monitor um i think back on the offensive side of the ball Hunter Renfro, you know, I know, I know we've talked about it a lot. You know, is he going to be here or not, you know, for the Raiders this season is something that's still in question. Like, you know, you know, so far, like they haven't, you know, received a real trade offer for him and, and nothing's really materialized. You know, he's, he's still out there practicing. He had a nice catch today from from Brian Hoyer on, on a deep ball. And so um, it's kind of a weird situation, you know, will he or won't he? Um, and that's going to be something that, you know, we're going to be be tracking leading up to the season. All right, as we look ahead to this season, 
year two for McDaniel, Ziggler, Patrick Graham, year one for Garoppolo. Who do we think on this roster in this organization faces the most pressure entering the season? I know, Vic, you've you, both of you guys have talked about Mark Davis is a new patient man, and he's he's going to be you know he, he's going to be patient with this group. He's going to give them time, but um, his his vow of patience doesn't always last that long. So who do we think faces the most pressure entering this season? I bet we have the same answer. What do you want to do on, on three? We'll go one, two, three, and we'll say our answer. Ready, Tashan? One, two, two three. three. Patrick, Patrick Graham. Graham. Yay! 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 That's fucking chemistry, man. That's got some big in sync. There's a crew. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we've we've seen this happen before. Typically, year two with a head coach, like if it – if year one didn't go well and year two also doesn't meet expectations, some type of coordinator is losing their job. Like it just has to happen just to, you know, give give somebody, make somebody be the fall guy going into year three so you can kind of push off blame for another year. And assuming, I guess I shouldn't assume Garoppolo is going to stay healthy, but if he does, I'm pretty confident the offense like is going to be good. Like I don't, I don't think, you know, even average maybe, but like I don't, I don't see the offense being bad really in in most scenarios, barring major injuries. Um, the defense, I can see them still being pretty shitty. So like, if the defense is terrible again, and it makes no progress, and some of these young guys, especially the defensive linemen, don't don't show some semblance of progress or flash out there, it it'll be hard to justify. Like I know the roster still isn't very good, but we've seen coaches with you know, substandard talent before at least have like a competent, you know, defense or offense. And so if, if they don't show any sort of progress, I think, I think Graham will, will be the one that takes the fall after this season. And it's tough because you can't say they made like a lot of great improvements. Like the roster is so much better. So obviously he has to do better because he has better players. I think it's not that clear cut, but you know, a lot has been made last year by the system being tough to learn. And he tried to, you know, give him a lot of information and he pulled some back and he tried to give him some more and it all, you know, players weren't able to make an impact who came in last year. So uh, you guys see those guys do something this year. You guys see young guys who they talked about, the guys that drafted this year, be able to come in and make plays. Because otherwise, if the defense is so complicated, you can't get it in two years, then that's that's not good. Um, so we got we got to see something. We got to see some games where the defense uh, like, like I said, two years ago, they were, they were getting, the defense was not good two years ago, but they made plays at times. They were kind of clutch. They kind of stood up in some games to give them some wins. So we got to see that this year. You got to help out the offense a little bit this year. I don't know if it's necessarily his fault if the defense like still isn't good this year just because I, I think the personnel is not good. Like I, I think we can look at all three levels of the defense and be like, wow, I don't really know what you're supposed to do here. And so, But this is how it goes. You know, Whether it's fair or not, you know, it's the NFL. It's how it plays out sometimes. They made him the senior ball, the senior ball coach. He handpicked these rookies. I mean, these are his guys. He was there in person. So I got to see some plays. Do you think he handpicked to not uh, acquire a starting level cornerback until like <laughs> two days before camp? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he, he handpicked that. He said, just wait it out. Marcus Pierce is going to be in the market. We won't pay him that much. Just trust me. Have some patience. He's my guy. He'll get him. So he's, he's, he's kind of making more moves behind the scenes than you guys think. So it's going to be Mark. He, 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 he hand-delivered Marcus Peters, and then he he identified Ja'Korian Bennett, who's going to be a star rookie yeah. cornerback, and and he's going to save his job. Yeah, Chris Smith is going to be the, the new Deron Harmon. It's going to be good. Is the new Deron Harmon going to be enough? <laughs> hey, man, last year, Deron Harmon was one of the few guys who made some plot. I still can't believe he's not back. I mean, I, I don't know what he did. He was cheap. 
He made some plays. He's obviously older, but he made some plays. He was a good leader in the locker room. He's a Patriots guy. He knows all the handshakes and all the all the signals and all the plays. Uh, that's a mystery to me. I don't really know what happened there because I don't think he was demanding a lot of money, so I don't really quite get how a guy who comes in and he was really a good guy in the locker room. To me, it was a weird, it's a weird move. All right, we're going to take a few questions here. We'll start with uh, the first one we got here from Tyler L. How likely is this? This, this come on, Raider fans! It is come on, it, Raider fans! It, 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 it is training camp. Don't be this negative already. How likely? Come on, Tyler L. <laughs> killing me. How likely is this season to be as bad as the Jamarcus era? And how soon will locker room beef between Adams and Jimmy G leak out after Jimmy's 12th interception tried the ball, throw the ball more than 20 yards? <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already despondent. Tyler L. Uh, go take a walk. On, take man. a walk. Get it. Oh, come on. The sun's out. You got to do one of those uh, Jermaine Elmanor laps around the practice field, man. Take a lap, man. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to see that shit. Take a lap. Well, Vic, I mean, you covered – you were there for the Jamarcus era, right? I mean, how, how bad – at the very end, I missed the whole part where they gave him the, uh, <laughs> the video playbook and they asked him if he watched it. He's like, oh, yeah, and it was a blank tape. They totally tricked him to, to fuck with him. I missed that whole part. But obviously, uh, he did not come to the NFL motivated to play well and stay in shape, so that was a big problem. But um, there have been some dark, dark days in this franchise. Uh, I'm not sure this will – I mean, what's, what's the worst-case scenario this year? They, they have enough talent. They're still going to win a handful of games. They're not going to be in the Caleb Williams. Fans are like, oh, I'm going to get Caleb Williams next year. Like, no, you aren't that bad. That's not, that's not going to happen. So, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. But, um, so, I don't think it'll be that bad. And I think, you know, if you're a Raider fan, you know, hope these guys know what they're doing and enjoy the Max Crosby and the Monte Adams show because they are two of the very best guys in the league and they are fun to watch. And Josh Jacobs plays back, same thing. So, you got some guys you can – Enjoy watching and hope that uh, other things get better. But it's not it's not uh, that bad of a situation as far as compared to other like really, 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 really bad Raiders teams. I think the most recent season that was just absolutely unwatchable, awful was was Gruden's first year when you know the, they trade away Cleo Mack and and just absolutely tank away the season. Like the floor of this season is is above that. It's not going to seep to that level. And I mean, I think Jamarcus era would be even below that level. I mean, but that that first Gruden season after the Mac trade and Vic, you were there every day and saw. <laughs> I mean, that that season was just, you know, not even worth recalling. But uh, I, I don't I don't think you're going to see a season that's going to reach that level. Yeah, I mean, the only way they're probably just miserable is if, you know, Garoppolo gets hurt, which, you know, we'll see. But, you know, I, I would say the Raiders are at least entertaining. Like, even last year, they were 6-11, and 11, but all those games were pretty much entertaining. They're down on the wire. They lost most of them, but they were it was nine. Nine of their 11 losses were one-score games. So, you know, it's something that, that had you glued to your TV. And so, you know, it'll be entertaining even if they suck. All right, and we're going to go to the other end of the spectrum from uh, Tyler L. And we're going we're gonna to go to Brian H., this team could have won 10 to 11 games last year. I uh, <laughs> uh, led right into it. Uh, take it back. Never mind. Never mind. Take a, take, take a lap, Brian H. You're also running. That's, if, that's the, if they that's could finish. Yet the moves they've made have many fans and pundits predicting a disaster and a last place finish. Isn't it possible they learn how to finish games? Wouldn't the story be much different if this was a playoff team last year instead of a six-win <laughs> team? Which sounds silly until you look at the blown leads. The potential is there. 
Okay. I mean, I guess you could say in 2021 that they could have won six games if they didn't win 15 overtime walk-off finishes, too. So, I mean, you know. I mean, if if, if Jacoby Myers doesn't throw the ball to Chandler Jones, they could have lost another game. Uh, and, you know, they, uh, they had, I mean, would, you can say that they blew, what, the five leads that they blew, but they also had three walk-off wins that, okay, if those go a different direction, this could be a 3-14. and 14 seed. Like, you are who your record is. Like, I mean, it's just, you are what your record says it is. I mean, it's like, and that's just how, how it works. I mean, if, if you go 10 and seven with winning a lot of close games and make the playoffs, do you, you tip your cap to that team? And, you know, we talk about, Hey, maybe it's not, you know, going to be repeatable the next season, but you still tip your cap when you go six and 11 and, and have a bunch of batshit crazy games, you're six and 11. And that's just, that's what you are. And so I, most games in the NFL are relatively close. Most games in the NFL are within a score and, you know, can go either way. And so it's, it just, that's just kind of the NFL is about if you can find a way to win. And uh, if you can't find a way to win, that's, that's just, that's what your record is. And the whole learn how to win uh, cliche is just fake. It's fake. It's not real. There's no such thing. You're just good or bad. All right, we're going to go Samuel K. Here's a here's a real question here. Uh, what is a realistic drop-off from Jacob to Zamir White if Jacob decides to sit out the season? Relatedly, what are the odds of Jacob sitting out the season versus returning for week one? A drop-off? Let's say... We don't really know, right? We didn't get to see it enough of Zamir White last year to really know. Josh Jacobs was the best running back in the league last season, so I'll, I'll give him the respect of saying that Somebody who who would basically be a rookie since he didn't play last year is is going to be pretty significantly worse than Josh Jacobs, especially behind an offensive line that really isn't that good. Like I know, like you know, they 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 were better at run blocking and pass blocking last year, but like I, I forget the number, but so many of Jacobs' yards came after contact, and he broke so many tackles that you know he earned every bit you know of the yardage that he got, and so. You know, I know the running back value stuff has kind of gotten a little bit out of whack, but there's there's a difference between elite guys at that position, you know, and everybody else, just like in any other position. And you probably see more of a committee approach at running back. I think it won't just be Zamir White. It'll be like, you know, Britton Brown and Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden. Like, all these guys will probably get some runs. So I don't know if Zamir White's going to have all the all the carries. But, I mean, he looks the part. I mean, they drafted him for a reason. They like him, and uh, we'll, we'll see what he does. But, I, I like, the Last part of that question was the odds of Josh holding out, and I just don't. I don't think it makes any sense. It doesn't improve his leverage, and maybe it makes a make, makes a point, I guess. But at what cost? I mean, like I said, I mean, you're at the prime of your career. It's hard to really walk away from ten million dollars you won't see otherwise. So I think uh, at the very end, you can be all mad all, all you want, and obviously, you know, common sense is not common, but you, ten million dollars is 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 pretty good. All right, we'll get a couple more questions here, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Charles B. wants to know, what's the infatuation with trying to move Nate Hobbs outside when he's a borderline pro bowler in the slot? He's playing a lot of slot so far. I mean, I'm, he hasn't practiced during training camp so far because he got hit in the face with a softball. Don't let that guy he, play softball no more. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. But, Dude, uh, he, had a, he had a home run, man. He's a, he's a, he had, he's a, uh, yeah, but uh, OTAs, OTAs. He can be a DH. He can DH, all right? He's been splitting time, I would say, but I, I, I would say he spent more time at nickel and OTAs. And so uh, I think they uh, I think he has a, a pretty good shot to, to return to the position that he had such a strong rookie season. at. That's where he wants to play, from what I've been told. And so I think it just makes the most sense, like especially with Jacorian Bennett coming on strong at outside corner. And they have a bunch of guys just kind of in the rotation. David Long, Duke Shelley, Brandon Faison, like they have way more outside corners than nickelbacks. And so it just makes sense. Like, I think. 
I would say Nate is probably one of their three best corners. Like I don't know why you wouldn't just, you know, have your you know have him at at, at nickel and then you know give Jacorian a shot or somebody else that steps up. I think the simple answer for me would be they don't probably see him as a Pro Bowl guy inside. I think he's good, but I'm sure if they saw him that way, they probably would have him there. You know, for for for, for the time being. But I think Tyler Hall is making a move there. I think they might they might move him around a little bit. They like the idea of moving Nate around a little bit, which I think makes sense. But um, a great, great player. I think he has instincts you want, toughness you want. But the reason he wasn't drafted high was because he's not a great athlete. He doesn't have you know, the elite cornerback uh, skills you want at that spot. So maybe that's something that may hold him back from being you know, a Pro Bowl type guy like this, uh, like our, our reader says. All right, final question here from Brendan Jay. Uh, we'll ask a question about one of the guys who talked today. He says, what do you guys think the organization actually expects out of Chandler Jones this season? Was last season a down year, or are they just counting down the days until he can be cut next year? If he's even 70% of old Chandler Jones, that seems like a big X factor for the defense. They want him to play run defense. That's what they, they kept shouting him out for last No, I mean, I'll give him credit. He came on strong towards the end of last season before he had his elbow injury, and so maybe that gave them the optimism that he still has it in him, has a little bit left in the tank. I also think – you know, if, you know, Wilson is, is healthy by the time the season starts, that could spell him a little bit. And, uh, you know, he is getting up there 33 years old. And so um, he's not going to be going every single play like Max Crosby is, obviously. But, you know, I think if they have waves of, of pass rushers on the edge, more so than just one or two guys, I think that might help him out and, and free him up. But, um, you know, I, I think they they still, you know, think he has something left. I, I don't I don't think. You know, what they thought he was when they signed him probably has shifted, I would imagine, after last season. But I don't think they think that he's finished. Yeah, I think they're counting on him having the pride he does. He obviously has worked hard this offseason. He said he feels awesome in great shape and did come on strong at the end of last year. And a guy with that track record and that know-how and that mentality to kind of um, to succeed, I mean, you never count him out. Obviously, age gets all these guys at some point. But um, I think he's got some juice left. I think he wants to show that. And today he said that, he wants to be judged not by uh, personal stats, but more about did he help his team win? Did he help the Raiders win? And that will help his legacy uh, at this point of his career. So I think he's all in. I think he and Max uh, do a good job at that locker room. They're definitely going to be leaders of that defense. So if there's any hope for his defense at all this year, it's because of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones uh, working with Tyree Wilson, uh, showing him the ropes, getting him ready sooner than later. And those three guys – becoming difference makers as far as a nonstop pass rush uh, at the quarterback. You do need some individual stats to help the team win. Like yeah. It's like you, sure. you kind of you kind of need some of those to help out. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Let's get them pressure, you know. All right, guys. That'll wrap up our first episode of State of the Nation for the 2023 season. Uh, fire it up for training camp, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll be back regularly throughout camp and getting you ready for the uh, the season opener in, uh, what, about six weeks away, I think? I don't know. I, I, my, my calendar is off, but something like that. But we got about what, two weeks until the uh, the first preseason game, uh, the joint practices with the Niners. So it'll be fun. So uh, we'll get you all set for those, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, Joe. Hasta la vista. What is the exact definition of uh, Fugazi? Matthew uh, um, Udon, who you know, has 14 and a half sacks. Dietrich Wise rushing, can rush yeah, from the inside. Udon, sorry. <laughs> Just stay relevant, baby. Later, guys. Bye, Derek Carr. <laughs>